0: Hello and welcome to episode 210 of section 138. We are finally all back together. We just counted it. It's been 18 days since all three of us have been here recording together and we're finally here. Not the series we wanted to be talking about, not the road trip we wanted to be talking about. We haven't recorded since the Blue Jays were going to Chicago. So we've got Chicago to talk about. We've got Milwaukee to talk about and certainly not ideal circumstances for the Blue Jays or for us. I'm still on the road. You two are home in the Toronto area. Guys, how are you?
1: Well, I would. I wish I could say I'm doing well, Mark, but I think a perfect, at like just a perfect way to show my frustration is what the Tim and Friends Twitter account did to you, making you a meme in <laughs> Chicago. Like this. That is a perfect, just how I'm feeling. It has been a frustrating road trip, like you were mentioning, and uh, just definitely not a good stretch over the last 10 games.
0: For anyone who doesn't know what Bryson is referring to, go to our Twitter at section138pod and you'll find that Tim and Friends, I, I guess I was on the broadcast and Tim You're and Friends You were on it live and
1: I did. like, yeah I froze, I was like, <laughs> and then I saw you yeah. on Twitter.
0: <laughs> I guess I was just the most pissed off looking Jays fan there because this was the Tuesday night game when it went 12 innings and this was the bottom of the ninth when Jordan Romano was blowing it, et cetera. Et cetera. Anyways, Jacob, how are you?
2: Uh, well, it, the, this team is a little bit frustrating, and now unfortunately, hockey and basketball are done. We get to pay attention to this team—not really the ideal scenarios, but uh, I think it's—it's it, it's overall it's been not the greatest month I think for the Blue Jays. So you know, we're gonna have to see you know this team rebound because it's not looking good for them I think right now, especially with teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, really pretty much the entire division is doing well. So we're gonna need to see some turnaround, especially from that pitching.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the rest of the division. The Blue Jays are now officially in fourth place in the AL East. It seems like it's been a while since they've been in that spot, but they're now behind the Red Sox, a game and a half behind them, and they are tied officially with the Rays. MLB has them one notch below them in the standings. I assume that's because of some tiebreaker stuff that's going on right now, but not ideal. It's been a while since they've been in fourth place, but we have a lot to talk about, so let's just jump in. The First thing that obviously we all want to touch on is the starting rotation because that has been an area of extreme weakness for the Blue Jays over the last six games. Um, it started when the Blue Jays were playing the Yankees back at home. It continued on the road trip into Chicago. You get some less than ideal starts from Jose Barrios. The Blue Jays go into Milwaukee with hopes of something better. They win the first game with Alec Minot on the mound, and then Yusei Kikuchi comes out, throws only two innings, And then Jose Brios comes out, doesn't get out of the third inning. And in back-to-back games, you have the bullpen having to pitch six, seven, eight innings in. That is far from ideal in any circumstance. It's more than... It's even farther from ideal in this circumstance, where the Blue Jays have a stretch of, I think it's what, 36 games in 37 days, or 37 games in 38 days. A ridiculous stretch, and now with the bullpen exhausted, they're going into three games against the Red Sox, and then five games in four days against the Rays Um, terrible circumstances for the Blue Jays right now what have you guys seen of the rotation what's been frustrating you the most and I I guess who's been frustrating you the most out of the guys that we've seen struggling
2: so I'm gonna say something and I'm not sure if you guys will agree with this and I'm not sure if anybody else will agree with this but I think Jose Brios is a lot more frustrating to watch right now than you say Kikuchi and to be fair we kind of knew that you Kikuchi was a bit of a coin flip in this situation. Like he's had, he he had success last season. He had very bad stretches last season with Seattle, but with Prios, he's coming off that massive contract extension and he just really has not had it. And when he has good starts, it's usually followed by a, you know, a little bit of a rough start and it's not looking good for him. I think right now. And I think, I don't remember if I was saying this to you guys or just somebody else off, uh, off camera, but, Jose Brios is kind of having the season right now where even if he's really, really dominant for an extended stretch, his season is still going to not necessarily look as good. His numbers are still going to be a little bit inflated pretty much because of these games and that he's, you know, he is struggling and it's just consistently hard contact. The fastball's not necessarily being located properly and then guys are hitting it. He's just getting hit completely. And, you know, even you look in today's game, Blue Jays had a three nothing lead before he even came out to pitch, and it was three three. And then you know he just it it doesn't seem to be necessarily working out for him this season. It just seems as if he's always getting hit hard, and he just can't necessarily keep guys from scoring, getting on base, doing everything. And I wouldn't even say that he's necessarily rattled when things happen. I mean, he looks composed. He looks like he knows what he's doing. It's just he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and. I hate to be that guy, but we have this guy on this team locked up for a very long time. And the last thing you want to see is a huge contract not necessarily pan out. And still, there's a lot of time to plan, or there's a lot of time left in the deal. And still, even this season, there's a lot of time left. But the last thing you want to do is end up having this type of contract not necessarily be what you expect it to be. And this season, you know, ZRA now, after the start against the Brewers, is up to 586 and it's, it's just, it's, it's not been very consistent from him all season, you know, his ERA was going down a little bit, it was, he had that start in Chicago, not the greatest, so his ERA went up over five after being below four, but really, his ERA's just been high fours to mid fives all season long, and even when he lowers it, it just goes right back up, and things like this, you know, it, it can't really happen, and we see, Ross Stripling's doing well in the rotation. Alec Manoa still is doing what Alec Manoa does. He's being dominant. But you, you're a Kevin Gosman bad start away from really not looking like you have a good rotation going forward. And I say that just because the the margin for errors is, is definitely a lot thinner. And I think I, I believe it was Pat Tabler said something like, at the start of the season, the pitching was fantastic and the offense was really scuffling. They were winning a lot of one run games because of the pitching. Now it's kind of flipped. The offense is keeping them in games. It's doing what it needs to do, but now we're starting to see the bullpen not necessarily do as well as it's expected to. Rotation, I'm going to excuse the Ryu injury. That's a little bit different, but the guys that we have right now that can pitch kind of are scuffling a little bit, and it's just not really looking great, but I'm hoping... I I still believe what I said a couple of episodes is correct. They're not going to go out and get a starting pitcher. At least... Not right now. Maybe things change, but I still think the needs are elsewhere on this team. But it's going to need the starting rotation is going to need to completely rebound because you cannot have situations where you're going up three nothing in the first inning, and then two innings later, or in the you know the bottom of the second inning, you're down by five runs. Like things like this cannot happen, and especially when you're in a division where you know the re- I think collectively at the start of the game. I don't know if you guys heard this on the broadcast but one of the commentators mentioned that the the AL East is collectively like 56 games over 500 so like you cannot have th- games like this pretty much or series like this and even despite this you know you mentioned they're now in fourth place they still technically hold a wild card spot with that third spot they're tied with the Rays but it's it, it even if the playoffs are expanded, you cannot have these types of situations. And we're going to need to see the offense continue what it's doing, but the pitching is definitely going to need to to really pick itself back up because this team is a juggernaut when all three elements, or all four if you want to consider the defense, when all four of it is as, as good as we expect it to, this team is really good. But I think we're still not seeing the full potential because as one element gets better, another aspect of the team doesn't necessarily do as well
1: yeah it's been flat out frustrating and I think the I actually agree with at first I didn't agree with it but as you kept talking I did start agreeing with you more as much as Yusei Kikuchi has been very frustrating as well both of them have been frustrating it's just the expectation level with Jose Barrios you expect a lot better from him and just coming into the season like he was your opening day starter and that is why I, or pretty much what he's been showing, Jose Brios, it has been flat out frustrating. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just, we, we know what he pitched like last year. We know that in the spring, he kind of didn't have the greatest spring and we kind of shrugged it off just because it was spring training rightfully. So, you know, opening day, we know what happened opening day. And then basically since then on, he's been inconsistent with good starts here bad starts there, and then just over the course of June, for whatever reason, and Yusei Kikuchi is a guy who's very uh, similar with Brios in this, is that they have both been pitching even worse in June than what they pitched beforehand, so I don't know, Um, it's just with uh, Jose Brios, you go back to the, you go back to a start against the White Sox, where he allowed six earned runs, obviously today on the Sunday game against the Brewers, he allows the eight earned run. so just over the course of the last 10 days for him it has been a disaster he is definitely or you know confidently so much better than what we've been seeing in pitching or how we've been seeing him pitching so i think that's the one thing that we can agree on there and you hope that this is something that he can eventually figure out throughout the year. I don't know if there's something that he's dealing with behind the scenes that he's being quiet about. We really don't know exactly what's going on with him, but the confidence is at an all-time low. His stuff isn't fooling anybody. There's a lot of hard-hit contact, and really when he has been struggling this year in previous starts, it's been the exact same issues because of the, the contact, just because of the movement not really fooling anybody. It's been pretty much the same thing when he's been struggling, but at the same time, he's also been giving starts here and there where You look back and you—it reminds you of the 2021 Jose Brio. So, a guy who came in or uh, came into this season as your opening day starter, who obviously you were talking about the contract, Jacob. You were talking about it. All of a sudden, it—it or this year up to this point, it's a very unreliable. Uh, or he's been very unreliable, which also makes the starting rotation vulnerable right now, which we're seeing because outside of Alec Manoa, outside of Kevin Gosman, who appears to be back on track, he had a good bounce back start against the White Sox. At least he kind of settled in throughout the game. And then you have Ross Stripling, who wasn't even supposed to be in your rotation on opening day, but he just has become more reliable and he's been more consistent than both Kikuchi, than both Barrios. And of course, Ryu, when Ryu was healthy. So you have those three guys there, And then right now you have the two, I guess, question marks with Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Burrios. And then with Yusei Kikuchi, on the other hand, that is a flat-out disaster. Um, Another guy who we were expecting so much out of, he had such a great May. We knew that it felt like after Hyunjin Ryu went down with that injury, his performance was going to be even more crucial, you know, alongside Ross Stripling stepping up because he has been, but because he hasn't been Yusei Kikuchi... This rotation once again becomes more vulnerable, and that's what you've been seeing from him. So, after an ERA, I think it was 236 he put up in the month of May, it really felt like he had things down under control. It has been a complete mess for him in the month of June. I think his ERA is almost at 10, it's way over 9. He had a bad, pretty much counting back to bad starts, I guess, every single time this, every single start in June, he's pretty much had a bad start. But I guess if you want to highlight them even more, it's just that it's been. You know there was the start against the Orioles. I think it was four runs. There was the the Yankee series where he got hit around hard on the Sunday game, and then of course the Brewers game as well that came on the Saturday game. So he's been hit around. He's been getting hit around hard as well. For him, I don't know what it is in terms of just his pitch pitch usage. There's one start where he'll throw a lot of fastballs, and then you feel like he's comfortable. There's another start where he does throw fastballs, but there's no movement. Like, it is just all over the map with Yusei Kikuchi. And basically, in his last couple of starts, he's kind of just been ditching the fastball and kind of reverting back to what he's been doing with Seattle last year. So, it is a massive problem more about Kikuchi. I'm more concerned about Kikuchi because I believe that Jose Barrios' track record speaks for itself. And that is what Charlie Montoyo said today. It's just, of course... Brios has definitely been just as frustrating, maybe if not more than Kikuchi. But with you say Kikuchi, it is a complete tire fire with him. You know, you look at this upcoming week, we know that there is a five-game series basically coming up on the weekend with the Tampa Bay Rays because of the doubleheader they got to make up from the lockout. So if there wasn't a five-game series coming up, is it, really, is it realistically to think that there's a chance that Kikuchi wouldn't make that next scheduled start? Or maybe he doesn't even coming up this weekend? I don't know, but... At this rate, if it continues, especially with Kikuchi, at this rate, you can't keep sending him out there every you can't keep sending him out there every five days. And it's something that they eventually gonna have to address. And it's very concerning because we know the contracts that both of these guys came out with, but again, at the end of the day, I'm more confident with Barrios than I am with Kikuchi. But overall this rotation has become the strong point, and all of a sudden it has now become vulnerable on this team, and it's become the weakness.
0: Yeah, when it comes to the question of who's more frustrating, I think it's impossible to answer. Both of you making cases in both directions because the expectations with Jose Brios are so high. But the obvious fixes for Yusei Kikuchi seem to be right there. It's stop throwing your slider. Throw your fastball more. That's what the Blue Jays have been preaching to him all season. And for some reason, it seems like he's not ready to commit to that when... From the outside, it seems like that's such the obvious fix, and when he was having success earlier this season, that's what he was doing. So, different types of frustrations, and I think... I don't know, Brayson, you say you're more concerned about Yusei Kikuchi. I don't know if I am. Like, yes, it's a three-year, $36 million deal, but... It's three years. To me, the thing with Jose Brios, even though I do expect him to bounce back and get back to what he is normally, it's a seven-year contract. If he doesn't do that, if this is who he is, even though I think there's a smaller chance that this is his true self than what you say Kikuchi is showing right now is his true self, if it is his true self for the next seven years, the Blue Jays are in big, big trouble because they have $130 million plus dollars committed to him right now. So... That's the difference for me and why I think Jose Burrios might be a little bit more concerning. But again, at the same time, he's shown flashes of brilliance this season. And, you know, for example, for a stretch of six games between May 17th and June 15th, before his explosion against the White Sox and then his explosion for eight runs today against the Brewers, he had an ERA of 3.58 over six starts. And that's pretty much in line with what his career ERA is. Um, Even going back a couple starts, a stretch of... Four outings in the month of April after that blow-up on opening day in Texas. He had another stretch of solid starts. His ERA was below three. So, yes, I'm concerned, but at the same time, I have no idea what's going on with him. So, maybe it's that type of dead-arm thing that we talked about. Who knows? It's incredibly frustrating to watch him and the rotation right now. And it's trickling down to the bullpen. And the Blue Jays are kind of in it. Disaster scenario, all hands on deck as they head into this series back at home against the Red Sox. And then, of course, that five games and four days stretch against the Rays. Um, on the bright side, the Blue Jays have a very good hitter on hand in Alejandro Kirk, and I think that's an understatement. Um, he had a four-hit game earlier in this series against the Brewers. He had a home run today that proved to be the Blue Jays' only three runs in the 10-3 loss against Milwaukee. He is leading the way in all-star voting, and rightfully so, and it seems he's the only guy on this team right now where everything is going right for him. There's no one in the rotation where everything is clicking. Even Alec Manoa has had his bumps. In the bullpen, people have had their bumps. In the rest of the lineup, people have had their bumps, but Alejandro Kirk is just playing at 110% of his capacity right now, and really, the sky is the limit for him because... We don't know what his ceiling is. We don't know what his top capabilities in the majors are. Right now, this would be it. But even then, it seems like every day he outperforms what he did the previous day. So, incredible, incredible numbers from him. And just to tie it back into the rotation conversation. Offensively, obviously, Kirk is a huge asset for the Blue Jays. But people are talking defensively. Maybe the struggles for the rotation are because of the fact that Danny Jansen is no longer catching starters. So kind of two parts to this, the assets of Kirk as an offensive catcher and being basically the top offensive catcher in Major League Baseball, leading the way in all-star voting, and then the other side of things is perhaps the cause of the pitching problems for the Blue Jays. So two different things going on here.
2: That's actually an interesting point you brought up. I haven't heard anything about that, but it's at least worth looking into i think danny jansen is expected to start batting practice or at least some type of baseball activities within the next couple days so
0: just some intel from milwaukee he was on the field signing baseballs today um before the game so i don't know if that's any indication of how long he is (laughs) probably means nothing but it's the only piece of information (laughs) i have
2: hey if he can write his name he can swing a bat But, or at least he's getting close to it. I don't know. Terrible comparison, but it's, it's an interesting thing that you bring up. I don't, I'm not sure, but the, the debate with Kirk that I'm starting to see heat up a little bit is, do you trade him now Oh no. or sorry, do you explore the trade options a little more? And I, uh, was it the Kirk name that got us a lot of hate for that episode? I I, I don't know. Again. Yeah, it was Kirk. So I'm not going to open that can of worms or at least not fully, you know, it's, it's worth looking into. You need, uh, you have needs on this team, and you have a surplus at catcher when Danny Jansen come back's ob- comes back, obviously, but it's definitely worth looking into. It's also worth looking into the fact that he will be the starting catcher for the American League in the All-Star game. He, like, tell me another catcher that's been better than him, at least consistently. I Not, not one that I think comes to mind, at least not right now, but it's... What I think is really interesting is he kind of just came up out of nowhere. I think it was from Double A back in 2020, and then he was doing well. 2021, he obviously played a lot, had a, you know pretty decent season. But this season, he's just completely emerged and just broke out. And you know, it looks like, and I hate to say this, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of having a bit of a down offensive start to his season. You know, the numbers aren't exactly where they are. And Teoscar Hernandez has missed a lot of time, although he's you know he's still doing what he does. Like, but we're seeing good offensive performances from both Alejandro Kirk and Santiago Espinal, which, to me, if if two guys that you kind of didn't fully count on as being offensive weapons then become offensive weapons, then this is even more of a dangerous lineup. And it's it's definitely looking like, I think, the Blue Jays have probably, when it's clicking, probably one of the best lineups, if not the best lineup in the in, is Is Major League Baseball maybe a little too bold, but... At least one of the best rotation or a uh, best uh starting lineups. Like it's it's a really talented lineup. And even with Kirk, he's been the DH uh or he's DH'd a lot, but he's also been the cleanup hitter, which I think is really interesting. They're lo- allowing him to come on with runners on. He's not hitting fifth, sixth, or seventh anymore. Like he is coming up during or in this in the the slot where the power hitters really go. And he is a power hitter, I think, at least at least this season. I think it's fair to say, you know, he is now hitting 3.18 after that game in Milwaukee, the final game. He uh, on-base percentage over 400, 408 to be exact right now, 9 home runs. So he's really like he's doing what a power hitter does. He does not have a triple, but he has 10 doubles, 9 uh the home runs that I said, 28 RBIs. I think what's also interesting, so he has 23 strikeouts and 28 walks, so the ratio is a almost even but basically he's a power hitter at this point I think it's fair to call him that if it goes at this pace he will be one of the Blue Jays best hitters and he has been really at this point point. and to me I just I think that it's fun to have him on this team while he's doing this he's obviously a, val- a valuable asset and he would be a valuable asset in the playoffs but I can't help but wonder what happens in a couple of weeks or maybe even a week or whenever it is Danny Jansen comes back what happens when you have three guys who can start? I'm I'm just going to pose that question. I'm not going to say what's going to happen, but I don't think that they're all three of these players will be on the Blue Jays' or team or organization in a couple of months. I'm not going to say weeks. I'm going to say months just because of the trade deadline, but it's fair to say that somebody's getting traded because to me it would be a waste to have, you know, any of the three catchers just on your bench because they can't hit or because of the other two playing but i'll tell you what it's a good problem to have and for alejandro kirk to just come out of double a and really just emerge as one of the top hitters in major league baseball this season it's it's a great story can't wait to see him starting that all-star game and it's going to be very interesting to see how the blue jays handle just the whole catcher situation and do they subtract a catcher to add to some other part of the team
1: I will not be falling for that bait again. We have discussed this way too many times and we have all laid out how we all three of us differently feel about the situation. But first of all, shout out to all for you. You guys are mentioning the um, the all star voting. Shout out to all American baseball fans who were so frustrated and jealous with the Blue Jays results. And shout out to Yankees fans who believe that Jose Trevino is a better catcher than Alejandro Kirk. There you go, Jacob. According to Yankees fans, Trevino is better than Kirk. Just tell me you're not watching. Tell me you don't know Alejandro Kirk. Exactly. They don't. Anyways, moving on. Alejandro Kirk, he has been the story of the season. Basically, he's been, I think, up and down, in my opinion, and I think the numbers speak for itself now, is – he is just sees the ball the best on this lineup. He has been the best overall hitter on this lineup. And for me, as much as we talk about all the catching categories that he leads, for me, this is turning more and more into just him being one of the best hitters in all of the league, and you know, expanding beyond the catchers category because what he is doing is remains insane. He gets better every month, based on what we've been seeing with the splits. I mean, his OPS this month is way over a thousand, and it's just you know you see what he's been doing every single game he's hitting for power and when he hits it's clutch you know as much as today's game on the sunday was a killer you know it just you go up through nothing from Alejandro Kirk's home run and then just literally 3 minutes later you blow a 3 nothing lead but anyways it's just that he has been clutch throughout the entire road trip he's been clutch throughout the entire season um you know as much as we can also make the case and Mark I did start seeing that opinion about Danny Jansen being away perhaps that is you know you don't want to put most of the impact on that but you definitely want to maybe think maybe that's got something to do with the starting rotation maybe a little part of it Alejandro Kirk I think defensively though he's been a lot better he's been improving defensively he's been throwing a lot of guys out him and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have the really cool um, I guess just the pickoff move they have when I guess it's just a random call they'll do you know you've seen it a few times especially this month Uh, you go back to the last Sunday game against the Yankees when they did it on Josh Donaldson early on in the game I think they did it also in Chicago. I'm pretty sure it was in the Chicago series. They did the same thing. So Alejandro Kirk has also been improving defensively, which I think is really good to see. I'm not saying, you know, in terms of impacting on the strong rotation, I'm just talking about him individually on that. So what he's been doing is just on another level. I love how, I guess it was some point, in early May, it might have been even, or sorry, early June, maybe late May, when they didn't eventually make that swap, when Alejandro Kirk eventually did move up to the cleanup spot, because basically throughout, I guess, the first couple months of the season, he was pretty much hitting in the middle to the lower part of the lineup, and then finally, as he began hitting for power once the calendar hit May, and it went on all the way to June, that is eventually when they started to uh, put him up in the order and pretty much give him more of a, uh, I guess, just a improved role in terms of where he sat in the lineup and he's been responding really well to that which is also really good to see on that part so you have a really good balance there I think Um, we know that he doesn't strike out we know that he he walks a lot like you look at his percentiles you look at just everything about his vision at the plate it remains constant which is really good he is almost certainly at this point will be starting the all-star game at catcher which is also really good to see as well he's I think out of or One out of three players to have over a million votes alongside Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. There might be somebody else I'm missing, but I'm pretty sure it's those three up there who have all received at least one million votes. So as much as Blue Jays fans have been showing him support, you have to imagine that his name's slowly getting around to the rest of the league. And again, I want to get to the point now where as much as he is leading all the categories for catching, this is turning into him just being flat out one of the best hitters in the entire league, no matter what position he is in right now. So... Again, I'm not falling for your bait about what happens when Danny Jansen's ready. Right now, you have a really good situation with Alejandro Kirk, Gabriel Moreno. He's been getting not a lot of playing time. He's been getting some playing time, and rightfully so. It's a very busy lineup. You know that he's not going to get pretty much every day at-bats right now. But when Gabriel Moreno has been playing, he's another guy who's been hitting the ball really well. So the catching duo, the catching tandem that they have, it's definitely up there. We knew this even before Moreno came up. But he's responding well it's right now to the majors at, at a really good rate, which is good. And Alejandro Kirk, I don't know how much – you know. this is another guy in terms of his ceiling. How much better can he be? How long is this sustainable? We still really don't know we're still kind of understanding or starting getting to know Alejandro Kirk. This is his first season where he's actually playing every day. And a lot of that, as much as that's been pretty much the reason for his play for him being in the lineup every day, he was also thrown into this early in April when Danny Jansen went down pretty much in that first week of the, of the season. So because of that, he got, I guess, the opportunity to be in the lineup every day. The Jays are still managing his workload. We know that he catches, I think, no more than three times a week, and then you can, put, you can put him in his DH, which makes it really flexible, or at least that makes the lineup even more deeper, which is why pretty much everything about his role right now is fitting. It's clicking, and he has been flat out the best hitter on the team, one of the best hitters in the league, and of course, among all catchers in the, Amer- the American League, he's also been the best uh, hitter out of all those catchers as well.
0: Yeah, I think you're right
1: that we need to reframe the conversation around him
0: being one of the best hitters in baseball not just one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. Because, I mean, it's getting to that point. You don't put up an average of 318, an OPS over 1,000 in a month without being a part of the conversation of the top catchers in Major League Baseball. And just to give you a frame of reference of this road trip alone, I saw him hit a homer in four of the five games that he played in. I mean, that is just ridiculous. It's otherworldly stuff that he's doing right now. So and, and I should mention, the one game that he didn't hit a homer in, he walked twice, went 0 for 2, but got two walks. So, like, come on. I mean, there's just no comparison to him among any catcher. And he's up there when it comes to the conversation of the hottest hitters in baseball right now. I'm sure you can bring up the names of Aaron Judge hitting a walk-off homer for the Yankees today, unfortunately, um, going 12 and a half games up on the Blue Jays in the AL East, but Alejandro Kirk is up there in that conversation with some of these other hitters. Um, I will bring up, I don't want to get into the can of worms, that is the, the trade conversation, but I will say we talk about him being the best hitter in the Blue Jays lineup right now, should the Blue Jays consider moving him to the 3-hole instead of the 4-hole? Because Vladdy right now isn't hitting like himself, or at least like he was last season. Alejandro Kirk is a better hitter than he is right now. Should they swap the two? Is that a consideration the Blue Jays should have? I mean, it's an option. I don't... I don't know. I mean,
2: unless you're putting Guerrero at 4, which I mean, I'd assume that would be the swap. he just literally swap those two. I, it's worth a try. I don't really see why not. I don't really know how it would overly impact it. I I think if, the way I'm looking at it, is I'd rather have the cleanup hitter be your best hitter. And right now, Alejandro Kirk is your best hitter. Now, you could still make the case that instead of him hitting with potentially one or two outs if Guerrero gets out and one of Bichette or Springer gets out, he could then go an extra batter early and not have that situation, which is fair. I'm not entirely sure I think if it ain't broke don't fix it is the way I'm looking at it like if if he's working in the four spot leave him there but at the same time if Guerrero's not working in the three spot then that might make sense to try and and move him uh I'm not entirely sure maybe what you do is you leave Kirk at four and you put Guerrero five and then Teoscar Hernandez maybe at three that's something that I think you also could at least consider, I mean, I'm sure that would go down very well in the, in the manager's office, that, that conversation, but even somebody like Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he's even hitting pretty well this season too, up to 288 on the year, he's somebody that you could also consider moving up if some of your power hitters aren't producing the way that they're expected to, but I'm not sure, I think, I think we had a similar conversation about this with Matt Chapman when, when I said put him in the two spot because that's what he did with Oakland, it might work. You could see it. I know we've seen Espinal lead off a couple of times, especially whenever Springer's out of the lineup. You can play around with the lineup, and you can see if little changes like this work, but its I don't really think it would have as big of an impact as a lot of people think it would.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more open to it than you are. I wouldn't say it's definitely on the top of my mind, but if they want to ever entertain it, I'm all for it. I mean, he's been responding well when he moved up to the 4 spot. I wouldn't move Teoscar Hernandez to the 3 spot, though. It's just... As much as he's been hurt, as much as he's been finding his way back still, he's slowly getting better. I, I think where he is right now is fine. And for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., if there was ever, I guess, consideration to swap the two, again, it wouldn't bother me whatsoever. I'm kind of, as much as, you know, you like to have your usual guys in one, two, three, four, I'm just, for me personally, I'm more open to seeing changes Whenever they want to do that, we know that Charlie Montoyo is always kind of making a different lineup card day in and day out as much as he tries to keep the top of the order as stable as possible. But there's always pretty much an insane stat at the end of every year where it says, oh, Charlie Montoyo used so-and-so different lineups. It's always a huge number in terms of different combinations, in terms of different just everything about that. So if there was any, I guess, a situation or a scenario or an opportunity where they want to do it one time or maybe one day where you know, Vladi has a rare day off and they want to try it, at Vla- or Alejandro Kirk at three, I'm i I'm not against it whatsoever. I'm not, Again, I'm not all for it, or like, I'm not leading the charge for it, but if they ever do consider it, why not? I mean, why not? I, what he's doing this year at Alejandro Kirk, it is remarkable across baseball, and really, it's just, it's insane that he is at this point he is definitely this is definitely something as much as we knew Alejandro Kirk was a good hitter coming into the year we knew that he was much better than what he showed in April I don't think any of us imagined he would be at this rate right now in terms of getting millions of votes and just Being at the top of the category and at the top of the board across all hitters right now I just think that right what we've seen from him has been truly remarkable and Mark you were talking about what you've seen in terms of him hitting home runs at all the games you were going to like that's absolutely insane all the ballparks you've been to all the games you've been going to it's basically part of your routine or it's normal for him and you're expecting him almost to hit a home run which is insane to think about but in reality that's exactly what happened this week during the road trip despite obviously the disappointing outcome for the team for him uh, individually he just got he continues to get better as the season goes on he had another great week and you just hope that it continues at a certain level like this again I don't know how long at this certain level he maintains it as but if he can just continue to play well and be overall a good hitter like he's been doing all year they're in a good spot obviously in this lineup and he's been pretty much the best hitter right now up to this point in uh, late June
0: Mm -hmm. I certainly don't mind exploring the option and I'm not Opposed to it, I just don't know if it would work to move him into the three hole. Because right now where he's hitting, like, we talk about the homers. If you move him into the three spot and he continues that offensive production with hitting all those long balls, you kind of miss out on the RBIs that you're getting. If you do have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the three spot and he's getting on base, even if it is at a less ideal pace, he's getting on base more than just having Springer slash Espinall, slash BGO, slash whoever goes into that leadoff spot and Bichette ahead of him. I think it helps to have one extra guy ahead of him. So I think I'm more with Jacob on this one. But yeah, try it out if you want to. I don't know what it's going to solve, what it's going to change, but obviously a possibility. Um, I'm curious, this is just personal curiosity. Are you guys voting for the All-Star game? Because personally, I, like, I kind of gave up on voting a couple of years ago. So
2: I hate to admit this. But it's always like this really long process and it's not that long. It's only like two minutes of your day maybe, but it's always like pick a player. And I think I did last year a lot. I haven't done it this year. I'll be completely honest, but it's always like type the player's name and you got to scroll through them. And I'm like, can I just, can I just put one, can I just say, I'm going to vote Kirk, like vote one person instead of filling out over and over again. I know that would defeat the purpose, but Basically, my long answer is no, I have not voted because it's always a really long process. Although me, I should.
0: For me, the annoyance is the fact that you can... I don't know if it's still this way, but you can vote like 30 times. Unlimited. Like, yeah. It takes it's up like half day. my day. It's and if unlimited. Every, if everyone's voting that many times, then like why don't we all just vote once and it has the same
1: I don't know. I'm going to be completely honest. So before the first wave I I completely forgot how they did it like they released the results in different waves but before they released the the first results no but ever since Americans and other fans got mad at it at the Blue Jays and Blue Jays fans for voting I am now making sure I take a couple minutes out of my day every day to vote for all of them just to you know help Continue the trend and help to get them even more mad because Kirk deserves to be there I understand that a lot of people don't agree with other guys you know you can make the case for Springer you can make the case even for Bichette and Grego because they haven't been you know up to what they've been playing in I guess compared to last year but either way I am just supporting the cause and I will make sure I'm doing my part to send them to the all-star game it is my okay. destiny right now
0: <laughs> kudos to you you got more willpower than Jake I um Okay, a couple things to bring up before we wrap this podcast up. Um, the first one I want, want to just mention, Guillermo Martinez. He is a fallen legend for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, of course, we have the Doug Eddings game, which will live in infamy <laughs> in Blue Jays history for the absolute terrible strike zone. Doug Edding calling strikes on both sides, like a foot out of the strike zone. And you couldn't really see it when we were in the stadium from the, my vantage point, but obviously following along on Twitter. And then we have the ump scorecard giving it, I think it was a 64, 65% strike accuracy. 64 is what I'm looking at right now. The The average is 88%. And Doug Getting's called 64%. Just absolutely terrible. And in a one-run game, it gives the White Sox a two-run advantage. So terrible, terrible strike. zone. So then Guillermo Martinez the next day delivers the lineup card shakes everyone's hands, keeps making contact with Doug Eddings, and has a few choice words for Doug Eddings. Apparently, what we heard was that he basically said, you missed 26 calls last night. And that's what got it rung up by, I think it was a first base umpire, not Doug Eddings who actually tossed him out. But anyways... Guillermo Martinez, five-game suspension for making contact with Doug Eddings, apparently. Kind of a mess, but he's our fallen hero right now. Then the other thing I want to mention that I don't think a lot of people are talking about right now, I haven't been watching broadcasts because I've been at games, but Matt Gage is a guy I just want to shout out and give him some praise because amidst all this bullpen mess and, you know, Jordan Romano being flaky, Tim Mesa being flaky, Adam Simmer, Trevor Richards, guys falling apart of the bullpen Matt Gage has been a pleasant surprise for the Blue Jays, and he has proved to be very reliable out of the bullpen. Um, He's only made seven appearances so far, 8.1 innings. Of course, he got his first call-up around the middle of June or start of June, and he has made a couple appearances since then. But you look at his record, he's only given up one earned run in 8.1 innings, and it seems like right now at least... He's been the most solid guy in the bullpen, and the inning, or the outing in particular that I'm thinking of is when he was pitching in Chicago in that 12-inning game and pitched 1.2 innings. We know it was going back and forth. We know what was happening with the strike zone. He ended up giving two runs. None of it was earned, but that's the game in particular that stood out to me of how Matt Gage has really performed for the Blue Jays. And he's kind of worked his way into, you know, that circle of trust, that term that people like to use about the Jays bullpen. He's kind of working himself in there. And whether that's because everyone else is faltering or whether that's because he himself is putting up good numbers, just want to give him some praise before we wrap up.
2: Yeah, what a story. He comes up and he was charged with the loss in that game, but he was was just absolutely dominant in that game. Like, he was good. And also it's tough to charge somebody with a loss when they start the inning with a guy on second base without any outs or anything, but still, regardless, like, the fact that the only earned run you've been charged with is a ghost runner that MLB has put up in extra innings proves to me that you're a really good pitcher, and it's only 8.1 innings, it's not been a lot of appearances, I mean, seven appearances, still decent-ish size number, maybe that's what guys will do, and If you're talking about the circle of trust, maybe that's what guys will do in three to four weeks-ish, maybe something like that, or well, maybe a little bit less, I don't know, but basically he's not pitched a ton, but what he has shown in the little bit of the, the time that he's pitched is that he can he can pitch, and he can pitch in high leverage situations. Right now, I think you have to go to him if you need any, any type of lefty situation, a matchup, get a lefty out, or heck, even just get anybody out, because he's gotten people out, and even with that, that low ERA, the whip is under one as well, so... I mean, it's hard to sit here and say that, yeah, the whip, the ERA, and everything is super low because he's barely pitched, but I don't care. What he's done in these 8.1 innings has looked phenomenal, and I think for now, you have to absolutely trust him, and just like we are talking about with Kirk and Espinall throughout the season is, while well, you have the hot hand, you ride it, and so far, he's, you know, he's been hot for this team, and you gotta trust him.
1: Yeah, in all in all fairness, right now, no matter who comes of that bullpen, it's, trying to avoid pitching guys on back-to-back days because if it's on fumes i understand we know the bullpen isn't the greatest we know that they're still missing those guys but at the same time they're on fumes and i think it's in there basically the stretch of the schedule they're in right now makes it even more tough and matt gage has been one of those guys who stepped up to the opportunity he's got a great story about how he came up and it's pretty crazy that he's already at seven or eight appearances like that really uh or pretty much approached as fast and it just came out of nowhere. You don't really think of it at the time. And when you look back at it now, it's already been almost eight appearances. He came up in the Kansas city series. So you have that. And I think, and I guess I'll also add a shout out to Max Castillo um, prospect who came up obviously on that last game of the Yankee series last week, Mark, you were here for the use or you watched the Yusei a experience. Of course, firsthand you had the pleasure as well. Welcome to the club. But anyways, after that Trent, Thor- and I'll give a shout out to Trent Thornton as well. That game, for those two guys to pitch they like they did. Trent Thornton, two innings of scoreless baseball. Castillo, four innings of scoreless baseball, striking out seven. Those guys really helped, I guess, the bullpen today as much as it was pretty much burned, of course, from Barrios. But what I'm trying to say is that they still, despite being overworked today, there were still a lot of names that they, they had, they were, I guess, were available to them that may not have been available if they were pitching more in the game before. Perhaps a guy like Castillo gets another look. You know, the doubleheader's coming up next week, so it'll be interesting to see who starts one of those doubleheaders against the Rays. But for those two guys as well to step up in that lengthy outing that they had, that's my highlight in terms of the bullpen throughout this uh, road trip. That pretty much that performance that they put up yesterday on that Saturday game in Milwaukee. That's also I'll add a shout out to them. But of course, Matt Gage, another guy who is definitely making a name for himself in this bullpen.
0: Yeah, Trent Thornton has been a pleasant surprise, hasn't he? You look back at his last, you know, four outings, six point two innings, four hits, zero earned runs, and three or four of those outings are two innings pitched each. So he's been a pleasant surprise for a bullpen that's definitely needed. A little bit of help on the long end of things in Mexico seal. Yeah, it was impressive to watch him work against the Brewers. I know the Brewers don't have the best lineup. And, I mean, you go to the game and everyone's talking about how the Jays have an incredible lineup and the Brewers lineup kind of sucks. But it's encouraging to see him have that performance. And we may see him even get into the rotation. The Blue Jays have the doubleheader against the Rays coming up this weekend. So, um, okay. Uh, Three-game set against the Red Sox. Blue Jays have Gosman, Stripling, and Manoa. The Red Sox haven't announced their starter for tomorrow on Monday, but they have Waka and Pavetta going game two and three. What are your predictions?
2: Do we really need to end this on a bad note? Because I mean, the Red Sox have been pretty good these last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but I'm going to say one out of three is probably the most likely scenario just because Red Sox are a really, really good team and they've been a good team for at least a couple of weeks and, it's it's gonna be an interesting series, I'll say it that much, but if the team if the Blue Jays take more than one game out of this, they win the series, I'll be pretty surprised.
1: Pretty crazy the turnaround the Red Sox have had after starting off the way they did. But of course I think we all knew that they're a lot better than how they did start, and all of a sudden you we were mentioned at the top, they've passed the Blue Jays in the AL East race in the wild card race. I will say this, I'll give more reasoning towards this prediction. First of all, you have Gosman, you have Stripling, you have Manoa. These are the three guys that you're confident in the rotation right now who have pretty much been there the entire year, who have been consistent despite a few hiccups that all of them have pretty much faced. I'm confident with that. I'm also confident because the Blue Jays usually play the Red Sox really well. I think they said on the broadcast today about something they've won. I can't remember what the the exact number was, but they've basically won a, a ton of games against them in the last, I think, 30 or 40 games where the Jays have taken or had the upper hand. I will say they went 2 out of 3 because of that, and it's a huge series coming up, obviously, because you want to pass Boston once again, and the Blue Jays really have to get going after a rough road trip this week.
0: Yeah, I'll be an optimist and say 2 of 3 as well. In the Milwaukee and Chicago series, the two games that the Blue Jays won was Ross Stripling and Alec Munoz on the mound, and you can probably bet that Kevin Gosman is also going to have a good outing as well, so that gives the Blue Jays a good shot of taking two of three, even if they are facing two good pitchers and walk-in, Pavetta. Waka with a 2.34 ERA and then Pavetta 3.25. So two solid starters. It'll be a fun series for sure. And yeah, the AL East is a tight race for the Blue Jays and for the rest of the teams there. and Really a four-horse race, the same four-horse race that we saw towards the end of last season. It's shaping up to be the exact same thing, and the Blue Jays are in the middle of that in these next Eight games with the series against the Rays are going to be pivotal in setting up the race to come. I don't want to say it'll be pivotal for shaking out how the playoffs are going to turn out because it's still a little bit too early for that, but just how this race is going to shape up and how we kind of look at the trade deadline, really, because this takes the Blue Jays most of the way to the All Star game. So we'll wrap it up there. Not an ideal week for the Blue Jays, but they're headed back home to play the Red Sox. And the Rays, as always, you can support our podcast by going to social media and following us at Section138Pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can go to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review, and we will catch you after this series against the Boston Red Sox.